0: This is an eight iron and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, it takes that shot off the path. Positive. you got to be kidding me.
1: Very tough pitch shot right here. you got to hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite, and it's
0: in. Kind of like that. I would like to welcome a three-time All-American from UCLA and a national championship winner with that team playing the Challenge Tour over in Europe uh, uh, this year in 2023, which we will get into because it's very, very cool in my opinion, uh, the great Eric Flores. Uh, Pro, thanks for doing this today. Looking forward to the conversation. Awesome to be here with you, Jason, man. Thanks so much. Well, first off, I have to ask you, uh, the, the trip to Sycamore, you came up. We, we worked on some golf club stuff we hung out a little bit weighed a bunch of food probably too much maybe had and we didn't go too hard the cocktails were served but not over served uh it was it was great to meet you in person you know how was the road trip coming up to see us and all that and uh then we're gonna get into you know what's going on for the summer for you uh
1: man it's been awesome it was awesome getting up to see you guys i
0: i mean we'd been dealing together for
1: i guess this would be our second year at least now at, and least, yeah. uh... So we've talked on the phone a bunch.
0: Yeah, COVID. I think it actually started right where we couldn't even really exactly. see each other.
1: Yeah, which is when Fast I started time. playing.
0: Basically, when I started playing again
1: was was COVID. And and uh, so yeah, it's, it's great to put you know obviously I've seen you on social media and everything, but put an actual face to face you know to the to the name and the voice. So and you guys are awesome. I just gotta say, like out the gate, like you know the culture you guys have built up there and uh, the team you have, the products and everything. Um, it's been awesome. And, and the support, you know, from, from a guy who you know was coming back to play really um, is, is super, super appreciate, appreciated. So we um, can't thank you guys enough. And the facilities is great. Um, again, just like a cool like man cave vibe hangout spot with a bar and a couple of hitting bays. And obviously your team's great there under Dan Peck. And, and yeah, it was just spectacular time. I uh, couldn't thank you enough for get me up there.
0: Well, I just had fun hanging out too, right? It's always great. Like I said, I feel the same way you do. It's, you know, not trying to brag our stuff or anything, but just to get to know you as a person. And I really enjoyed it. And like I said, we had a good time, what, drinking, eating, eating, drinking. I mean, that's kind of what we did. And a little bit yeah. of golf mixed in with it. But I mean, we definitely put the calories down in a 24-hour yeah, period,
1: so. That, uh that uh, burrito we had for lunch was uh, in a Fantastic. couple beers. <laughs> yeah, that took two days to digest,
0: but it was great. It's all right. But is there anything better than like a great burrito? Like at a really good Mexican place, like for a lunch. Like I don't know, There's, man. That's... Isn't much. I mean, it's oh, top man, ten joy
1: in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. And i you know, I'm I am Mexican, so I'm somewhat yeah, biased. But...
0: So good. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about this summer. I think I think as a golf fan, there is something just cool as hell, romantic, old school of going to Europe and playing the Challenge Tour or the DP World Tour. Which I know your goal is to get. In. I know it was pretty close last year to getting, you know, your card on that. How has that journey been of kind of focusing on Europe, and I know we talked as well like you enjoy the culture as much as I do, but I think it's such a cool way of chasing it professionally is is going over there and doing it so yeah let let me know like what your summer's looking like and what the goals sort of are and how you see it kind of unfolding
1: yeah, so I mean, I mean where do I start with that last year i I went over kind of on a wild hair whim and and went and did the British open qualifying or the open qualifying um which i'd never done before and i'd always wanted to do it and so i went over and did it last year and played a few other events on what's called the clutch tour over there kind of in between just some warm-up events and some other stuff to do which is a great little tour in, in uh, england and uh, well really uk but um all over there but uh no i just i kind of fell in love with it and and being over there and so i went back for the for the q school um, in the fall and gosh, the style of golf is just really fun. I mean, there's much more to discover about Europe, which I'm excited about this summer plan challenge tour, uh, which I'll be heading over after, uh, the U.S. Opens finished, uh, uh, sectional qualifying and all that. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, on a, from a practical level though, um, the European tour and deep, well, DP world tour is, you know, it's another pathway to the PGA tour um and their q school over there they still they still do old school style which is you know you can get their 25 cards for dp world at the end of the the deal in final stage and they do six rounds like they do they used to do here for final stage so um yeah it's 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 to me was a better avenue practically speaking than corn fairy tour which which i would played a few years but Um, but yeah, also just like the, the romanticism, like you said, of, of being able to travel over Europe and really a DP world goes all over, but, um, it just seemed like a lot more fun and you're playing for more money and more world ranking points. Uh, you know, it kind of, you know, no offense to Wichita, Kansas, but, you know, beats Wichita, Kansas or, uh, (laughs) Omaha, Nebraska, like Cornberry tour plays. So, uh, which I, you know, I played those tour or that tour was great too, but, um, you know, I get it's what you're just, saying. No, if you can go to, yeah, yeah, you know,
0: hey, I love Nebraska. It's like my second home yeah. state. But yes, there is something about, you know, an event in Spain in the summer, right in Europe, like that's pretty badass. It's, I mean, yeah, right, like, awesome.
1: yeah, and, and I think the style of golf for me is a little better. Like, I, I mean, it's just a little more like gritty and like, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously the courses are different and, and somewhat, you know, less manicured than then maybe like the PGA tour. Um, but, uh, the value of par just seems to be more there. Like then, you know, corn Fair tour just gets like a wedge shootout, yeah. you know, how low can you go situation. So, um, yeah, you've got a little more elements over there and, and, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just all, all that's cool for me. So
0: do you have any idea how many of the courses will be link style versus, you know, your Parkland style golf course over there when you're playing challenge? You
1: know, I would say majority are probably going to be Parkland, just looking at the schedule, where they're at. Um, there are a couple events in uh, UK, so there'll definitely be some, some Lynx-ish courses. Um, but it's not so much necessarily about Lynx golf. I, I guess, you know, I mean, it'll be mostly Parkland. Um, obviously, you know, Open Championship uh, and all the qualifying. You're, They've got tons of links courses over there, so it's there's going to be no shortage of that.
0: How do you, how do you like playing links versus parkland, you know, style of golf? Is there one that if you could, let's say, you know, you had to play one style all the time. Do you have a favorite one way or the other from that regard? You know, that's a good question.
1: I, if I had to play one for the rest of my life, I'd probably stick with parkland still just because of some of the courses that are my favorite, but there's, I mean, I don't know. There's something special, like about, an amazing link style course. I, I was fortunate to play Muirfield last year when I was over there and North Berwick, and, uh, or North Beddock as they say in Scotland, uh, it's, uh, Turnberry, I got to play, which it might even be top. That's definitely a top five course for me. So there's, I don't know, it, those were, I don't know, playing those day in and day out. The battle is just so intense, you know, the wind and, and the, the precision that it takes. Um it's, it's super fun in a challenging way that's so different than what we're used to. So, um, yeah, I d- definitely fell in love with Lynx Golf more when I got over there uh, before all my experience was just abandoned or
0: pretty much abandoned. <laughs> so, uh, I thought Murfield was just – I got to play last fall. I thought it was just spectacular. I mean, to me, you could have literally had an open championship if they would open up the back tees that next day. It was that yeah. challenging with the bunker. You literally could said, "Okay, there's the tournament tees. They would take yeah. no prep time, and you could have an open championship out there. That's how that course plays." I thought it was totally, just phenomenal. totally,
1: yeah. And I think I think you're totally right about it. obviously. Meerfield's, uh, you know, the
0: it's a big history of golfers.
1: That's the biggest top three course in the world, and and it is for a reason. I think the whole that whole place is like it's almost like. I mean, it's, it's an art. I mean, the whole way the whole place is laid out with the wind, and, like, every hole is designed where no matter the wind direction, like, it's got its challenges. Like, I, and I noticed this about some of the links courses I played, in especially at Muirfield, there'd be a bunker out somewhere. And you'd be like, why is that bunker even there? It's, like, totally not in play. It's just some random bunker. But they're like, oh, but if the wind is from a different direction, now that bunker's in play. You know, so it's like... It's got some... And the bunkering out there is insane. Uh, I mean, if you hit in a
0: bunker, a fairway bunker, it's a drop shot. It's a true hazard. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just took my sandwich and just plopped it the 25 yards sideways or slightly forward. That was it. Exactly.
1: I mean, you have to get super lucky and in the right spot to even advance it, you know, onto a green from a fairway bunker. So... Uh, but, yeah, Muirfield's special, man. The, the lunch and everything and, and the tie, uh, the, the the coat yeah. and tie. I actually got a great story about that if you want to hear. Uh, yeah, fire away. Uh, so, uh, uh, like I said, I was out doing the British Open qualifying and, and had the, their sectional, which is uh, the final qualifying, up in St. Andrews. Uh, and a good friend of mine, uh, Scott McCarran hooked me up with a friend who was a member at Muirfield. And, and so uh, he took me out to, to North Berwick and Muirfield. And I didn't have a coat and tie. I didn't travel with that. Obviously I wasn't expecting to play Muirfield. So, um, he goes, yeah, we'll just go in. Uh, they'll have some extra, you know, coats in there and I, here's a shirt and tie, you know, you borrow or whatever. It was a like, great. So we go in there, we play 18 in the morning and, uh, alternate shot, which was awesome. And then, uh, uh, we go in for lunch and go into the the locker room. Locker room attendant says, hey, yeah, you look about this size. I think I got something for you. And pulls out this really nice blue coat. I'm like, great. And I put it on. It fits like a glove. I mean, it fits awesome. Everyone's complimenting me. Like, you know, all the guys we were with were like, wow, that, that looks really great. Like, it looks like it's made for you. So the other member in the group said, hey, just take that coat don't worry about it. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, if they say anything to me, I'll I'll just pay for it. He's like, just take it. He's like, it's it's, it's on us. I was like, okay. So I, I finished out the rest of the trip. I think I was, I played the Northern Ireland open after, after British open final
0: and then came home. Did you run to the parking lot clean. with? Did you run to the parking lot by the way with the coat like you're stealing it? Did you do a runner? Or a no, kid? no. He, no, okay. They, <laughs> well, they all they all
1: carry their stuff in, so I carried my stuff okay. out. you, you know? do not have to
0: have the car hot and ready and no, like no, no. I pictured no, like an attendant just, chasing you, my coat, sir, my coat, right? You know. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, that's Mister Gilmore's jacket. Yeah, exactly. No, right. um, <laughs> no uh, well, the the coolest part. I mean, I'd say the coolest part. I mean, one, I want to have this jacket from Meerfield now, but um I come home and I go to get it dry cleaned and I'm like, I don't know how many people have worn this or who's worn this or whatever. I was like, I'll get it dry cleaned. And so I just happen to like open up, you know, the inside and and I check out the brand and it's a Versace coat. And I'm serious? like they gave me a Versace coat from Meerfield locker room and just said, Hey, you just take it home. I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's just a cool like, I think I'm just gonna put it on the wall. I've, I've worn it yeah, a few I was times.
0: Yeah, like like that's a story, right?
1: Yeah, it was it that's was awesome. Story. So of course, you know, uh, you know, ate the lunch and then uh, um, what's the drink that they have? Do you remember? It's like
0: uh it's like that look. It's like that. I forget the name licorice. of it. It's like got like a weird like licorice taste to it. And they just like serve yeah. it there and like at Prestwick. Like that's only two places, but you have to drink it when you're there.
1: Okay. Yeah, we had we had a, a a handful of those, and then we went out uh, and yes. played another eighteen uh, alternate shot. They were actually getting ready for the, the women's, uh, open, uh, I think was coming out, like you said, a few weeks later. So it's, uh, they weren't allowing, they were only allowing two balls per group. So if you played a foursome, it's true foursome. It's, it's alternate shot. If you wanted to play your own ball, you had to play in a twosome. So, but like that course, like I said, was designed so well, especially for alternate shot. You can walk by the time you're walk back to the tee, hit your tee shot and then your partner is already basically up in the fairway waiting for your ball to come up. And so by the time you get to them, they've already hit their shot and you're already walking to the green. So we're, you play super fast. Like it Oh yeah. They, they move over there. Yeah. They, they don't mess around it's like at
0: three all. Three hours, man. Like it's not three hours. Like we're doing something wrong here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So yeah, really special place and just links
1: golf in general. I mean, St. Andrew's was awesome. Uh, all that was just like, again, it was, I'd never done any of that and it was just, made me I was like I, I have to go sign up for for
0: uh, DP World Tour school now I and mean, that's a that's a must. I'm with you. I think it's the most creative way to play golf. There's something about that chess mass <clears throat> excuse me chess match with the wind, the bunkering, you know you can hit different shots, trajectory control. I think there's something so cool. I got addicted you know playing Lynx golf out in the the sandhill region and just fell in love with it and it transfers over to you know that's Lynxy enough over there where you can go to Europe and play it. I I think there's just something so special about the, like you said, every day is different. And if you like trajectory control and working the golf ball and maybe hitting this part of the green, so the slope takes it, you know, I think just such a fun way to play golf. Exactly. No. And it's
1: so like the direct route is almost never the right route there.
0: Whereas as Parkland golf, like
1: we're used to, you know, you gotta, you gotta fly it, hit it high and land it in certain areas to get close and, there you got the wind to work it off of you got slopes to work it off
0: of um so it's it's pretty spectacular absolutely hey let's talk about uh, ucla three-time all- american you know you win the you win the national championship you got a hell of a team um you guys kind of had a hell of a run <clears throat> excuse me here but like what an experience that had to be and, and you know how did you how did you end up you know obviously playing at ucla you're a hell of an amateur player you probably had a bunch of opportunities but how did you end up picking UCLA and, you know, what was that experience like of, of accomplishing everything that you guys, you know, you as an individual and as a team accomplished there?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm California born and raised and, and, uh, really looked at a lot of different schools and a lot of different options. Um, and it came down to Georgia tech and UCLA actually, which pretty different locations and, and programs and everything. Uh, Georgia Tech is, I mean, was, I think at that point was, you know, their their 15-year record up to that point was like they were the best uh, team. And, and obviously Atlanta had some great things to offer. But at the end of the day, um, uh, our coach, Odie Vincent, who recruited me at UCLA, uh, he was just really inspiring guy and and really believed in what he was doing there at UCLA and had just taken the program over a few years before um great player himself played played dp world tour played uh uh actually won pack tens as a as an individual when he was at university of washington so you know a guy that i thought like hey this isn't just an organizer here you know like a lot of coaches are this is a guy who can play and
0: um and, and also it. he I knows mean, what you guys are going through and right right he's been exactly, there
1: exactly exactly so uh You know, and also, he took a team over that wasn't even his recruits and almost won the national championship a few times. John Merrick, you know, was kind of the classes before me. Um, Travis Matthews, or sorry, Travis Johnson, who created Travis Matthews, was on that team as well. Um, John Poucher, Steve Conway. So there were some, like, great guys that went there. But, yeah, I saw a guy, you know, from my perspective that came in and took over a team that wasn't his and – who really weren't, weren't great and made them great. So, and then also it's hard to argue with Southern California, weather, the golf course rotation that they have, um, for practice and the food was really good. So <laughs> I was like, let's go to UCLA. Uh, really disappointed my grandma grandma because she was a season ticket holder for, for the Trojans, USC across town.
0: Uh, yeah. That could, that could be trouble.
1: Yeah. They re she really wanted me to go there. Uh, and uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm I'm really glad I picked UCLA. Um, I had uh, Kevin Chapel was a friend of mine growing up playing junior golf, and he was already there. Um, and so yeah, it was just kind of at the end of the day, it was a no brainer. I have no regrets about picking that one.
0: When you played with Chapel, could you, was was he? I mean, he's, he was on. He's been on the PG tour for what? Gosh, twelve, fifteen years now, right? I mean, he's been yeah. out there for a yeah. long time. Could you see the talent with him? Or did, did he get better over time? Or in college, did he have that next gear that you could just see?
1: Well, I mean, he's always had the talent. I mean, Chapel has always been a really good ball striker, uh, great iron player. He always struggled with his putting, um, was kind of his Achilles heel. And, and you know, I think his first two years at UCLA, you know, he did okay. Um, I'm not sure if he was like maybe an honorable mention once or twice in those years, but Well, basically, what happened was, is he started. He learned how to putt. I mean, it was like he and and his confidence soared. And his last year, um, I mean, he dominated. He won regionals. He won NCAA championship. He was really he was um, the only guy under par uh, as an individual. We played the camping course out at Purdue, and so Pete Dye tracks seventy six hundred yards. It was blowing thirty, and the rough was up. It was insane. And this guy goes out and shoots like 67 in the third round. And like n- not even any, not he, one human being like broke par that day, basically. <laughs> he just was like, so then oh. you
0: can start to see that separation we are like, wow. Yeah, I, I that's, mean, he that's does... when
1: he, he really yeah. blossomed his, his senior year. And, and really like, I'm super proud of the guy. He's had a, a great career. And, uh, and during that time, and a lot of people maybe not know this or, or remember this, but his brother actually passed away that year in, when we were in college. And yeah, it was I like, know that. It, he,
0: he overcame
1: all of that and, and, you know, used it to, to light a fire and, and uh, really kind of springboard his career. Cause like he was, you know, as, as a guy that was always super talented and that's why he was recruited to UCLA. He he wasn't, I don't know if he was recruited a lot of other places, but um, always a super talented guy. Like I said, I've played with that guy since I was 10 years old. And he's always been a guy that was like, man, this guy could be really good. Um, and he and he became really good, and that's just. Uh, but yeah, you got to on the professional level, you got to put it all together. And so when he found his putting and his short game, it was, it was the the rest is history.
0: Yeah, and there is no guarantee, right? I mean, you, you, there's a lot of great D1 college players who never make it to the P J Tour or even Corn Fairy Tour, right? There's no guarantee on it. But right. you can sometimes see the guys where it's like they're, you know, you you talk to. Well, I mean, you played with DJ quite a bit, right? You said his talent was pretty evident right like in, even at the oh, amateur yeah. level it's like okay this guy's got oh. a real hell of a you know hell of a shot of getting out there
1: yeah totally yeah dj was insane uh in college just and he hit it a lot longer back then he's he's done a good job of like honing his power and and dialing things in and you know now he's just got, he's got his famous cut now which you know before he just i mean the like, guy could hit it a mile it was insane
0: but uh um, yeah fun guys to play with man and and come up with for sure and then winning the whole thing that had to be from a team experience such a cool thing right that's the goal is as a yeah team, that's, i mean that's go, pinnacle go of
1: that's yeah that's pinnacle of of college golf or or really any you know anybody who's going to play competitively coming up uh you know at least in the us that's that's very important to us and um no it's really cool i mean it's 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 special because you know it's a team, and we worked really hard together. We had a goal, um, we stayed focused, and we executed. and And it was really, really cool to to accomplish that together. And um, you know, team golf is sort of coming back, obviously, with Live Tour and and uh, you know Ryder Cups and and Presidents Cups. Those are all really fun events. So, college golf is you know that other pinnacle team team event and. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was cool for a lot of reasons um but uh it was actually the last stroke play national championship that was played so they switched to match play the following year. Um and then uh uh it was UCLA's 103rd national championship which was really cool and then uh yeah, I mean it was it's it's that almost the most pressure that in Q school is probably the most pressure I've felt playing golf.
0: Um, you got a lot of people
1: relying on you. And I know everybody
0: talks about that, but yeah. it's true. Well, you're playing for the team. It's more than just you. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. You're representing the university. You're representing everybody there and your teammates and your coach, right? Like it is. It's just not about you anymore. It's about you and them, which is different because, you know, most of the time golf is kind of selfish. You're playing for yourself. But in that environment, that is, you know, I've interviewed hundreds of touring pros. The most pressure they've ever felt even over a major is Ryder Cup or President's Cup. Oh, I've totally. never felt that pressure, uh, uh, totally. like even playing for a major, because it's, it's exactly what, to the point that you're saying, you know, of what Absolutely. that's like, because it's not, it's not just about you anymore.
1: Well, just to give you an idea how difficult that course played that year, um, we won, and I think we shot 41 or 42 over par.
0: And you guys won it. And we won, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, seems was, redic- that seems a bit ridiculous. It was, so, setup. it was
1: so tough. I mean, it was spotters both sides every hole. I mean, it was it was a chip out if he missed the if he missed the fairway, and like I said, it was playing long and windy. There was like a tornado warning at one point. Um, it was just insane, but it, it felt real extra special because we beat USC, Southern California, uh, and Stanford, I think, by a shot each. So, you know, that
0: feels just extra special. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, there's always going to ask you the LA thing too, because there's always this interesting conversation of the Big Three, right? You got Bel Air, LACC, and and Riv. Yeah, you've obviously played them all. If you could play one every day, and then we'll talk about the U.S. Open here at LACC. But if you could play one every day, which one is it? It'd
1: have to be Riv. I mean, Riv is is one of my favorite tracks. Um, It actually has no hazards on the golf course. Obviously, bunkers, but there's no water hazards on the golf course. Um, I think it's the best course with no water hazards maybe in the world. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. And the, the, the Kikuya grass is obviously a little challenging. It's a little different, but the whole place, I mean, the clubhouse and, and the view from the clubhouse, and you can always see the clubhouse from basically anywhere on the golf course. You can always look up and there it is up on the hill. And I mean, the place is just, it's definitely its own little Mecca and, uh, of golf and LA golf, especially. I, w- I would go with Riv, but Bel Air is really good. Bel Air and LACC have both been redone since I've been there. So I haven't, I actually haven't played them since their redos. Um, but Bel Air was always a really, really challenging course, especially when we had to qualify doing team qualifying. It was short, but the way that the greens were tiered and very fast and firm, I mean, it's some of the most difficult, you know, just like wedge golf course. Cause it was, it was pretty short back then for us so. I mean, it was it was tough to break par in qualifying when they had it set up tough.
0: And if you looked at it on paper, you would be like, no problem. Someone have wedged in every hole, and you're out there, and you're like, uh-oh.
1: Yeah, tough. it was always even like with one the of those wedges, things. is tough. Yeah, if we were just you know dinking around for normal practice, which we played Bel Air. This is our college rotation, um, which was which was incredible. I, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but uh, Mondays was Lakeside Country Club, uh, right by WB Studios fantastic golf course, maybe the best bunkers uh, ever. If you've played there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, And then Tuesdays, Thursdays was Bel Air, 6.45 a.m., ball in air. And then Wednesdays was Wilshire. And then Fridays, we'd have a team meeting. We'd either practice on campus or we would go to Riviera. My later years, we played a lot more at LACC actually. We didn't play much my first couple years um, there, but we played a lot more there. And I was actually fortunate fortunate to tie uh, the course record is 63 in one of our qualifying matches or rounds uh, before the redo, and that was kind of a funny story. That of course is extremely difficult, by the way, because it's long. And back then, there was—I don't know how it is now, but I've heard they, I think cleared they opened a lot it of trees.
0: up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think they they, they, had they to used to do a lot of trees
1: to, for you to score out there back then. You'd have to hit—I mean, you'd have to hit it 300, you know, in a blanket spot because there was trees that would block part, parts of greens and stuff like that. That was, that was just an insane putting day. I made, like, a bunch of long putts, and I remember being on the last hole, and I'm like, man, I don't know what the course record is, but if I birdie 18s, like, I'm going to shoot 63. That's gotta be, I mean, that's got to be really <laughs> close to the course record. So I, I go up, I hit, like, a nine iron to six feet and make make birdie. I'm all excited, and I walk in the clubhouse, and I'm like, hey, what's the course record? And they're oh, it's 63. I said, well, I just tied it. I was like, do you want my scorecard? Like, what do you,
0: you know, I'm thinking, like, is going to be like a ceremonial thing? They're like, <laughs> yeah, nah. you're going to have a plaque. They're like, nah, that's
1: right. cool, man. Good job. <laughs> like, you
0: know. Tap you on the head. Good, yeah, good job like, there, buddy. Right. 20, year, 20 right, years, 20 years old. Good
1: job, bud. <laughs> yeah. But, uh. Yeah, here's,
0: here's your free peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Get out of here, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, no doubt it's going to play awesome for the, for the U.S. Open. I'm excited to see it, um, just from a remodel standpoint, but also, they've been trying, USGA has been trying to have, you know, the, the open there for, for years. So I think they had a standing invitation, if I'm not wrong for, you know, 20 plus years. Um, and they're kind of known to be a little bit, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a snootier club, let's say of the three, um, no offense to them, but you know, if they've, they've been denying the US open for, for years. Um, and of course there's, you know, the playboy mansion on the course and there's a, we used to hear all these rumors and stories of like, oh, well, Hugh Hefner tried to join the club. And then they, not only did they tell him no, but they said, you'll never be a member because you asked.
0: And like, you know, just
1: kind of stuff like that. But uh,
0: Well, and I think part of them probably getting the U S open was the redo. I'm sure that had a bunch to do with it, right. That the u s j goes out there and goes, you know, Hey, this is great and everything, but if you want a U.S. open. Well, no, you, no,
1: no. You so know. the U S the USGA had been trying to have it at at, at LA
0: for years. I don't know that even before the re- re- even before the redo. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, okay. they'd been the USGA had been wanting to have a US Open there for years, and and the club just kept saying no. We we're like, no, we don't want it. And so it did so not have a USGA... predication on.
0: Hey, you have to fix this stuff.
1: No, 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 definitely not. And, and I don't, I don't, definitely don't know what happened or changed for them to get it, or or if they the redo had anything to do with that from the club standpoint. Um, but. Obviously something changed and, and they're having it there this year. And that, I think that's really cool for, for LA in, in general. Cause you know, I think uh, it's pretty rare that at least nowadays, it seems like, you know, there's kind of like a 10 course rotation for the USGA and maybe even the PGA where it's just like, you know, they play a lot of the same places and it's going to be cool to see a course that really no one's ever seen unless you've played it or, you know, yeah. which is a very difficult golf course to get on as far as, uh, you know, networking is, is concerned. So I think it's really cool for golf to see something new and, and, uh, you know, obviously the redo as well. So it's a, almost a brand new track really.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, like I said, I'm such a, a geek from the architectural or architectural standpoint of, you know, what do they fix? How do they do it? You know, and see how it looks on TV and how it plays. So I'm definitely looking forward. Hopefully you'll be playing in it. That's, that's the whole idea. I'm like, hoping you, I'm i uh, yeah, I'm you first on TV
1: right now for, uh, out of locals, uh, unfortunately. So
0: we'll, we'll see if well, I can hey, get it. Hey, I'm going to take the positive side of this. Or you never know, right? It might work in your Hey, family. yeah. You never know. You never know. Hey, uh, you get on the Corn ferry Tour, how, you know, it's hard to get through Q School to do it. You know, what was your pathway? I know it happened for you pretty quick. And, you know, how were those years on the Corn ferry Tour? And what was sort of that journey like that you were on?
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, I finished college. I got out in 2009 I actually took 2010 off. I had some, I was just kind of burnt out honestly. Um, and had a tough go at, at Q school right after college. So I just kind of took a year and, uh, actually did some backpacking and worked some construction, just kind of like, (laughs) a lot of people know this, but I just kind of like, just took a year. It was just like, it wasn't a whole year, but just, you know, a summer was like, man, I've been grinding every summer, you know, amateur golf and then playing college golf. And, I was just tired by the time I turned pro. I was just like, man, I need to, I just need to reset here. So I did that. And then 2011 played full, like a full season, went and played mini tours, you know, gateway tour out, out in Arizona, played some uh, e-golf tour out in Carolinas and yeah, went to Hugh school and, and had to go through like pre-qualifying. That was like a new thing back then. And I think I took second and then just kind of, Mosey through first and then I won second stage by four and I was so I was playing well and went to finals and, and uh missed my big card by a shot um down the stretch. Didn't nothing really happened uh as far as like, you know, there was no freak like lip out or, you know, ball hitting the liner of the cup or something crazy. But uh uh yeah, it was uh made a really nice run there and and uh so yeah, I was sitting kind of, you know, first position for out of a Q Q school category the next year and, and had plenty of starts. And, um, unfortunately just didn't adapt real well to, to tour golf as far as, you know, traveling and just kind of managing my, myself, that was a little new. Um, and, uh, you know, lost my car the first year. And, um, so I went back to Q school, got through Q school again and got my car back. Um, a little Vince India
0: style yeah, and uh, <clears throat> the master of it.
1: Yeah, the master. And, uh, so, uh, then played the, the following year and I lost my card again and then I got injured and that was really, um, that was a bummer because I just literally had just lost status and tore, tore some muscles in my ribs. Actually, I was warming up to play. It was really cold outside and had to forego Q school and, uh, heal up. And that took about six months and went back, did some Monday qualifiers, got into some events and, uh, made a cut, just, you know nothing kind of need to catch lightning in a bottle if you're going to do mondays but went back to q school and missed by a shot at second stage so uh didn't get any status and that year just kind of ran me dry so to speak as far as uh patience and and uh funds and so i, I hung it up for gosh i really only meant to hang it up hang it up to like find some backing or something you know and and keep going but It just didn't work out, and so, uh, yeah, my life kind of took a different path and uh, started working, and, you know, steady income was nice. Uh, I was married at the time, so, you know, that was helpful (laughs) as well as far as for that, and, and, uh, yeah, I kind of got into some cool uh, business opportunities, which was fun, and and working with great people, and and so uh, that all kind of led, you know, I, I really took seven years off between Corn Fairy Tour starts um really 6 years of playing and uh in that time uh you know worked for a few different companies but uh eventually landed in the restaurant business which I didn't realize I had such a passion for um I'd always liked you know going out to eat. it's kind of like the main event when you're when you're playing tour golf it's you know where are we eating tonight and what's a fun spot to see you know you don't get it's not really too you don't you're not a tourist when you're playing on the tour but you yeah, you do have time to eat. So that's kind of the, the main thing for me to go find somewhere cool and where the locals would go type situation. Not, not, not a big chain guy. So yeah, we opened up a restaurant here in Charlotte called Vana, and it's all wood fired and uh, cocktails and, you know, nice beer program. And it's just fantastic. It's taken off. We've got a second one opening up uh, hopefully here in a few months, actually just down the road from where I live. So we've got one in, one in, uptown Charlotte in South End and then another one here up in Lake Norman where I live. Um, coming. So yeah, it's been really great. We've been featured in Forbes, uh as a you know, perfect trip to Charlotte. It's a top two restaurant to go to go visit. And um we've won a few awards and been on the cover of a few magazines. So it's it's been awesome, man. I mean it's and that, that really has nothing to do with me. I just kinda saw the vision and believed in the team that was doing it. And, uh, I was managing with, uh, our managing partner at, at their other restaurant, which I really have no involvement in other than just working, but, um, invested into the, to the newer project, uh, with Vana. And yeah, it's been great. I mean, uh, I, uh, really enjoyed that. And then COVID hit everything was shut down and I had some time to go hit some balls and here we are again playing. So that was, uh, what I'd always wanted to do. I didn't really mean to take so much time off, but kind of in a lot of ways rebuilt, you know, my life, um, financially speaking and and personally, and was in a much better spot to go chase it again. And so, uh, that's what I did. And, um, it's been fun to watch kind of both things grow simultaneously.
0: So would you, would you take that much time off? Like how little golf did you actually play? Like when you said I'm done, is it like I'm done or would you still, you know, play two or three times a week with the boys at the club and stuff like that, even though you weren't touring around the world playing? No, I, I, uh,
1: I literally played maybe two or three times a year during that time. Um I think, uh well, one, I, you know, the club I was at, um, you know, I kind of had an honorary position that was based on having status, but I didn't have any status. So I wasn't going to go like join a club and, I'd get invited out a few times, you know, kind of basically like a ringer for for like a random charity scramble or something like that. That's basically all I did. Um, So, yeah, it was was always – I mean, it was kind of weird. I mean, it was a bit like riding
0: a bike. Did you miss it, right? I mean, because golf was such part of your life. And then all of a sudden to just – did you miss it or not miss it?
1: Like I missed missed competing. I missed traveling. I I missed – but I missed competing the most because that's what I – did really, you know, my whole, my whole life, whether it was other sports or golf, it was competing. And I didn't have that, you know, kind of outlet anymore. And, and uh that's what I miss the most. It was tough, man. I mean, the first couple of years, I mean, I didn't watch golf on TV or nothing. I just like almost put my head in the sand. You know what I mean? I'm like, if I'm not going to do it, I'm just not, I'm just going to be totally out of it. And like, you know, you, I'd, I'd moved towns, I'd moved to Charlotte from California. And so, you know, I was really only playing tour golf for maybe a year and a half or so when I lived here and and then I stopped. So most people I, I met like didn't even know I played golf in the
0: past. I wouldn't even talk about it. Just talking Uh, about restaurant business and
1: yeah, just like, Oh, this is what he does and whatever. And then like randomly some friend would might be like, Oh yeah, you know, you won an NCAA championship with
0: UCLA or this, that
1: and the other. And they'd they'd find out about it. But um, it was, it was kind of funny because it was just like, Oh yeah, it's just kind of, I'm, I'm, I might be the most non-golfy person you'll meet. You know, I'm not really a, like a golf nerd person, even though I, I kind of am, but uh, yeah, it was just uh, you yeah, know, it was an interesting time. I think uh, in my life, just kind of learning more about myself and, and what motivates me and, and what I care about, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, it was tough. It was tough to, to get through some of that. And uh, you know, like I said, like I'd never really had the time to go practice. And I knew what it took to play at a high level. And I'm just like, I just don't have the time or the, or the means to do that. So I guess the road is over here. You know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, luckily uh, since I started playing again, some opportunities have come up and awesome sponsors and a uh, p- few partners helping me out. And, you know, we're, we're back doing it again. And that's been, that's been huge. I couldn't do it without everyone else's support for sure. It takes a team. Um, in my case, I don't, you know, obviously guys do it differently. There's people, some people have family money. Some people have, you know, insane resume and they're going to get some starts or some sponsor exemptions. And, you know, um, my route's been a little different. So.
0: Yeah. I missed like, it'd be so weird for me. Like, you know, I didn't play much golf for the last six months with my, my injuries. And like, I missed, I, you know, I'm just starting to get healthy. And same thing, kind of like I knew when I was done, you know, I'm just going to shut it down and, It is what it is, and, you know, it's going to be a pretty long road recovery. And then, you know, once you, like for me, like once I'm just starting to hit the golf ball, like I want to hit the golf ball again, and it's like, God, did I miss this? You know, and even at my level, like it still feels great to all of a sudden, you know, hit a drive 280 yards or 275, right? It's like it's flushed for me. And to have an iron come off the right way, you know, I played yesterday. It's starting to happen. It's like I don't think I realized how much I missed it. I love golf so much after, you know, even all these years of working in it. But it's kind of interesting how you can almost trick yourself into, ah, I don't like it that much. I'm injured. F it, you know. I'm going to watch more Formula One than golf this fall. And then Indiana the starts creeping back in a little bit where it's like, all right, I'm getting healthier. The injuries are corrected surgery-wise. No excuses. Let's go back at this. It's just being out there and, you know, competing and just getting the most out of whatever level of talent you have. God, I missed it, man. Like it's it's so fun to kind of come back and sort of see it, and you don't realize how much you miss it because you kind of just talk yourself into ah, I don't miss it that much. But you no, did. totally, totally.
1: And and you're right. It's just like something about flushing a shot, and and golf is such a cool sport because it's it really. I mean, you can't. It's almost can't be mastered. You know, what I mean, you can have flashes and of you know time where you're mastered. You know, you're just hitting everything perfect, but reality is it's just a it's just a big challenge for yourself and there's nobody playing defense on you so it's other than the golf course and and your your mind yeah. so you know that aspect is fun and i always felt like when you're on the golf course like nothing else nothing can go wrong as far as like you know like ang- like anxiety and just like things that i was struggling with just in life like that went away on the golf course because i was just so focused on what i was doing you're out, yeah, yeah, you're, you're it's, focused. The There's your nothing nature, else. Like fo- it's, just, it's awesome, man. It's great. Like it's, it's such a great sport.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you on that, right? Like, you, you know, gosh, how much I appreciate being a healthier and, like, and just how much I'm enjoying, you know. And same with you. Like, where you're doing it professionally. I'm doing it at an amateur level. But it's so much fun to kind of have that comeback. Um The other thing I was going to ask you is, like, you know, when you look back at your Corn Fairy tour experience and you said, you know, my guess is you probably push too hard. A lot of the young guys do. You know, the has to be perfection and that stuff. Did you, are you still using that as a hell of a learning curve for this comeback of what you might have done wrong looking back as a young guy out on tour? Um, is that experience kind of made you better on the second go around?
1: I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I made my first year was I was exempt for every event and I played every event like i didn't take weeks off you know what i mean um i was always just kind of like <clears throat> young guys pushing. My-
0: that's what happens young guys yeah, pushing I'm like
1: i'm like yeah why like you know they're handing money out let's just go get it like
0: you know it's like
1: yeah no man you gotta rest you gotta like it's a job and uh and so like you know being strategic with that i totally wasn't um i wasn't really physically in the in the best shape i wasn't eating right you know what i mean i wasn't uh like it's it's a different animal than you know the hand holding of college golf you know here's your out i mean they they got your outfits planned for the day and dry cleaning for you and travel arrangements and you know what i mean all you got to do is just show up and think about golf and you don't have that on a professional level i mean you can it can cost a lot of money um but yeah you got to manage a budget and and all that stuff so i mean it's uh yeah, I've learned a lot, and and just kind of, again, like, probably m- most importantly, just, like, you know, be nice to myself, Um be encouraging to myself, and and kind of, like, how you talk to yourself during a round, and obviously, we all get angry, and, you know, can say some pretty mean things to ourselves, <laughs> it's like, hey, man, like, a lot of times, I'll be like, hey, man, Eric, like, it's okay, man, it's all good, like, you got this, and it's just a bogey, you know what I mean? And that's the other thing is like making bogey your worst score. I mean, I was just, you know, I I was pressing so much to make birdies out on Corn Ferry. I mean, I had, well, I had some good stats on Corn Ferry. I was number two in putts per round. I think I was like somewhere in the top twenty of of birdies per round. I was top ten in driving distance. You know, all things were like, well, you're top ten in driving distance and number two in putting. The
0: guy should pretty be pretty good combo. Yeah,
1: this guy should be getting his tour card this year. No, like I was, I was, uh, but I'd have blow up holes, you know, not nothing crazy, but you know, maybe
0: a double, maybe a triple. And that's and the ones that like, kill man. you can make a bogey and get away with it out there, but if you start making triples, yeah. it's too much to overcome with the talent.
1: Yeah. That's like, and, and you're pressing all the time just to try to make more
0: birdies. And so it's like, you know,
1: the fastest way to re- erase, you know, four and a half, five, you know, average birdies around is, is a triple bogey. And, yep. And now you make one or two other bogeys, and you shoot even. And and on the, on the Corn Fairy Tour, for the most part, you need to shoot four or five under a round to be competitive. And so that's kind of, you know, was, was a big deal. So, yeah, I was just really aggressive. I try to make birdie from
0: no man's land, you know, all the time. And that was just, you know, it's kind of stupid. So, Well, there's your learning curve, right? There's the young guy who fires at everything with the confidence that you can get it up and down from everywhere. I mean, uh, this yeah. is not... This you know, with all the podcasts I've done pro, this is not the first time I've heard of a young stud out of college firing <laughs> at everything, their first go-around and go, Wait, I can really play golf. What the hell happened? How did I lose my card? And I yeah. kinda like from interviewing all these people, it's like there is a learning curve to being a professional. I'm sure like Scotty McCarron has talked to you about that, right? There's a learning curve of how to be a pro. On tour, pro. Totally. How to manage your time, when to say no. When do you back it down? You know, how do you turn a seventy-two into a sixty-eight? You know, I'm sure right. like somebody like Scott has a master class in that. Hey, I don't have my best stuff today. You know, what am I going to do to shoot three or four under and keep me in it? He can do that. Right? right? I'm sure there is an art to being a Turing pro.
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I think you, you have know, to go through stay- the other
0: side of it to to learn that the you know so many young guys come out doing what you did. It's not a bad thing. That's just kind of what happens most of the time.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, you're, when you're playing college golf or really amateur, you know, junior golf and all that stuff, you're only playing guys that are within three or four years of age of you. You know, when you get into professional golf, it's the whole world. Right. <laughs> it's not, it's not just, you know, you could go beat up on, you know, your fellow 15 year olds when you're 15 and, and, you know, that's great. But uh, professional golf's the, the whole talent pool together. And so it's a fine line, you know, I think, you know, it's easy to look on TV and be like, oh, that guy missed a cut. He sucks. And it's like, no, dude, like, do you know how good everybody is? Do you know how hard the golf courses are set up? And, 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 and it's again, it's such a fine line. If I look back at rounds, you know, important rounds where it's like, it's a bounce here or there. It's a decision here or there. It's, it's, and, and those are the things that separate, you know, the good from the great. Uh, on that level, so that's what I'm still learning about and and still trying to apply. And
0: um, but has
1: at least has helped has helped me out. I mean, I've definitely grown yeah. in that
0: area. Of a managing percent, managing right? That stuff, yeah. Yeah. If you don't go through it, how do you learn? I mean, you got to look at it as a net learning experience, right? But like totally. I said, there's lots of conversations I've had with people who have done the exact same thing. You come out, you're on, you know, you're invincible. You go like go like hell, fire at everything, and then you learn from it, right? I mean, that's yeah, kind of. That's kind of how it goes. Um, I was going to ask you some quick hitters here, too, uh, at the end of this. I always think it's kind of interesting, just like a couple quick, interesting golf questions. But, um, oh, funniest moment you ever had playing professional golf? Like, there's got to be something from a pro in group or experience with another pro. Something like that's had to pop up over all the years of doing it, of uh, something that I can't believe this just happened.
1: Well, how how PG are we, or how, what's what's the rating of this podcast? <laughs>
0: oh, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> well, up.
1: I would say two, two of the funniest stories, just real quick. One is John Daly. It's a John Daly story, so who doesn't like a John Daly story? <clears throat> but uh, I think I was in Knoxville, and uh, I was playing in the final group on, on Sunday, and he was playing that event that week. I think he was, he got a sponsor, exam. this is like 2012, I think. It, 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 yeah whatever so he he's in front of me and it w- he was on 16 we're on 16 t and he's on the green and it's just like a really cool amphitheater se- setting because 15 green runs right up to the water and then the t box is right there for this par three over the water to the to the green and then 17 t's right next to that and it was one of those holes where it was like if a pro makes a birdie you know beers are like a dollar for five minutes or something like that you know one of those specials and
0: i'm all in on that by the way yeah
1: exactly exactly and it was a tough par three it was like a four or five iron over water and uh so anyways we're just sitting on the tee like you know waiting for them to finish and and jd's up on the green he's got like a 30 footer from the middle of the green and he rolls it in and i mean this crowd is just i mean they're already sauced it's sunday afternoon and it's knoxville tennessee which they like to drink up there so uh but the funny part is just like the scene of like beholding the scene is my first year on tour. I'm like, dude, John Daly's up ahead of me rolling in these bombs. And, and uh, this lady next to me on the tee was standing like, you know, just outside the ropes. She passes out. I mean, it's like amid the whole roar, she passes out face first into the water and just like floating in the water and all these people jump in to grab her. And she's just like, I don't know what happened to her, but we're just like, Oh my gosh. Like, this is like, This is John Daly at his finest. There's people blacking out the water and he's making, you know, birdie putts. But that was just like a a really intense, fun scene um, that I remember being like, wow, this is everything I wanted to be playing. I have arrived. I have arrived. (laughs) This is it. This is it. This is peak peak life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, The other one was just a funny thing that I saw happen, slash heard happen. And I won't mention this player's name out of respect. Yeah. yeah, but <clears throat> it was down in Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, playing uh, the corn Fe- corn fairy event there, nationwide, nationwide days. Um, and we we're both like just sitting outside the cut line. We've got I don't know four holes left, and uh, we're on sixteen again. It's hole number sixteen, par three, and it's so over water. It's kind of a raised green, and, and you know, over the back is like a you know, it's just down the hill and the rough and. I actually ended up stuffing one into, like, a foot. And I'm, like, really pumped about it because I just need one more birdie coming in to make the cut. He hits his way over the green. I mean, it was just, like, way over the green. And he hits this flop shot, goes for a flop shot, and he sculls it, okay? And there's water in the front of the green, so he's coming back. Like, it, this thing's going in the water 100%. It hits the top of the flagstick and drops straight down on the cup. No for way. A two. Yeah, and we're all sitting there, like this lucky bastard. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like the other players. Are... And like, nobody says anything. And he's walking right up and we're all standing there by the, by the pen. He goes, well, boys, she wasn't pretty, but she had big dits. <laughs>
0: I was like, we literally all died laughing. I mean, like on, two on the scorecard. On... Oh, we were done two on the like, we were...
1: Yeah. So he made two and, and uh, he ended up birdie 17 and, and making the cut, but it was just like one of those oh, things. Where, like, I... This guy was like, you know, the accent was for a reason. So let's just yeah. leave it at that. But, uh, that was a funny, that was probably one of the funniest things I've heard slash seen. Well, that's uh, going to break the tension
0: player. on that one. Like, what do you say to a Turing pro that beans it off the flag? Exactly. Like a 20 handicap, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, nobody said it, it, it.
0: was Perfect. Biggest regret you've ever had on the golf course. Oh man.
1: Two, two big regrets in my career. Um, one, was uh, I added instead of subtracted during final stage of key school in 2011 when I missed my big tour car by a shot. Um, it was, you know, six rounds or whatever, and it was in, like, round three. You know, it wasn't, like, down the stretch or anything like that, so it kind of didn't poke out to me until later. But that one keeps me up at night because I added I added instead of subtracted, and I was, like, 85 yards in the middle of the fairway. This is out of PGA West and, and – uh you know, you should be, should be looking, getting a decent, if not a great birdie look from there. Um, and I ended up hitting it over the green and making double bogey. Uh, <laughs> and then I missed my shot down the stretch. So that one, that one hurt. Um, and the other one I would say my senior year, I was at Palmer Cup. Um, I, uh, and this is a, this is a, don't do what I did kids story. Um, I think I, I had a really good summer after we won NCAA as my junior year. And uh, as far as amateur golf and, uh, was definitely high in the runnings for Walker cup the following year and, uh, stayed amateur for the summer after college to, to make that team, which really would have been like the last feather of the cap. You know, for me, You know, I'd made Palmer cup and us Japan match teams and things like that. So, really wanted to be out of the team. And Buddy Marucci was the coach that year, um, famous Buddy Marucci. And, you know, that that's like a picking team. Like, you don't really have points. And I don't know how they do it right. now, but back yeah. then it was like they just pick everybody. So it's a little yeah, more yeah. political and, and all that. And he'd come out to Palmer Cup to watch, you know, a bunch of us play. And I was having a tough week and uh, was, was in a heated match, uh, with uh Stefan Grossman who's a German guy and I'm on 17 and I think I'm dormy like two down and, you know I need to hit a good drive it's a par five and I pulled it left in the rough like kind of you know just kind of snapped it a little bit and uh I got I was super pissed and I was not happy with my driver setup, and I just turn around and I just break my driver over my back I mean it was just like <laughs> I was just a full-on like the match is basically yeah. over and in my mind, I'm like, I've got another driver set up in the in my locker. Like, I'm going to switch to, you know what I mean? Like, and I turn yeah. around, and Buddy Marucci's standing right there.
0: And you're like, oh no! And I'm like, and it looks like you're oh losing my. your shit in front of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. And like, I had no idea. And it was just one of those things. Like, it was I was being a total idiot. And this is not like a hey, cool guy, you broke your club. Um, It was not, and I I totally regret that. And I'm sure that had something to do. I didn't make that team, and you know, just all in all, like wasn't a good look and. And uh, you know that's not really the type of person I am. I mean, obviously everyone gets mad and wants to break every club in their bag,
0: you know, weekly. But you shouldn't do that. So, oh, we've all been there, I'm, right? We've yeah. all lost our shit on the golf course, right? Oh, I God. mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, it can happen to all. If you if you love golf and played golf, you have not had a moment like that where you've. I mean, I think the older you get, more mature, you get a little better with it. But everyone's had it happen. We just yeah, totally, you just and lose I was your 20. mind over it.
1: 22 years old or something like that. I mean, you know, whatever, but it was no excuse. And, and I was raised better than that. Let's put it that way. If, my dad used to threaten to pull me off the golf course all the time if I got mad like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so <laughs> that was, that was, it was embarrassing and, and I, something I regret for sure.
0: What was it like to spend time with Mr. Palmer at the Palmer Cup? What was, what was he like when, you know, kind of mentoring and seeing the young guys and stuff like that? Like, what was that experience like? Oh, that
1: was awesome. That's a great question. Cause yeah, it was, again, like, you know, he's, he's passed now. And so being able to spend some time with him was great and play his event. Um, you know, he's, he was definitely still, he was older then for sure. And, um, but he's had really cool stories and just, uh, you know, the guy had an amazing life and and experience and really, you know, a lot of people want to give Tiger a lot of credit for, the growing of, of the game on professional level and the money that's involved. But, but you know, Mr. Palmer was kind of the original version of that. Not that he was Tiger, but he
0: was, like, he brought
1: corporate America into yeah. the game. modernized and golf. Yeah, exactly. They made he,
0: those he, guys, because there was no money. I mean, you know, back yeah. in the day in the 40s and 50s, those guys would take, you know, club pro jobs when the season was over and taught. And, like, there was not oh, a lot yeah. of money in professional golf until Mr. Palmer sort of made golf sexy and did the commercials and he looked great and he's doing, you know what I mean? Like he modernized it to where you didn't have to get a second gig, you know, to play professional
1: golf. Right. It was a traveling circus, you know, before what it still kind of is, but it, you know, definitely like, you know, it it was a traveling circus back then. And and he, he, he just had some great stories and, and he's also a, a pilot. He's one of the first people to, you know, he just got a plane, got a pilot's license and he would just fly around his, his events. and, I thought that was really cool. Just uh, you know, I've always wanted to to fly. And just have an interest in playing. So, yeah, it was great to spend time with him, and and uh, that's just a really cool event that still still goes on today. So, it was awesome.
0: All right, last one here. Best golf shot you've ever hit under pressure. Oh my god! Amateur career or professional? Like yeah, I mean, like when you needed this, and then you stepped up and did it.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'd like to say too many to count, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, that's a good uh, thing. <laughs> no, I mean they're all they're all under pressure, but no, ah oh, man, I don't know. Um, honestly, I really don't have anything sticking out at me. Um, let's go with uh, this. Isn't necessarily when it counted, but I did have a hole in one in School last fall, and that was pretty special.
0: Okay, that's pretty good. That, that was good. That, it wasn't. Was, it was like first
1: yeah. round. It wasn't like you know. Uh, you know, I can't say it didn't mean nothing, but it yeah, was. Helps the, the one scorecard never like, hurts. Yeah, it was just, it was cool. It was cool. Um,
0: but yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you honestly. There's so many. There's so many, There's so many good golf shots. Well, I mean, you so, know.
1: there's just, so, it's just, yeah, I can't even it's count just, the good golf shots. Yeah, it's, uh, not it's
0: <laughs> my greatness level is at such a level. It's almost like uh, you know, just too many to to, to, to comprehend at this juncture. So. You know
1: what? You know what? I do have one. You know what? I do have one. This, I'm
0: going deep. This is a deep cut.
1: Um, 12 years old. I am playing junior worlds and it's the first time I'd qualified for junior worlds, which used to be a really big deal. I I don't know how it is now, but I'm playing in the 11, 12 age group and I'm in the final group, final day. And so I don't, there's no like scoreboards or leaderboards. So I don't really know what's going on. I'm just trying to beat the guys in my group, you know, thinking like we're out ahead of everybody. And I ended up birdieing 17 and 18. And, like, I'm, like, fist-pumping myself. Like, you know, I'm, I am just won Junior World, You know what I mean? Old-school Tiger. Uh,
0: You're going old-school Tiger on us. I the mean, fist like, pumps are yeah, going. like, yeah,
1: like, just under the – I mean, I'm 12. And this is, like, all the pressure in the world. All I had played at that point was just, like, you know, local Northern California events and, and Northern Nevada events because I, I live, grew up on the border in Lake Tahoe. Like near Lake Tahoe, so you yeah, hadn't played like junior worlds. I mean, when you're 12 years old
0: and you're junior worlds, you're thinking like that's, this is this the is it. it. That's the major. So, that group. Yeah,
1: made, I remember making that putt on 18, and I'm like literally like about to cry, thinking like I just won. And so like under from what I knew, those were like the most pressure putts I feel like I'd made back to back. Now, I got in and somebody shot a course record and beat me, <laughs> but. but. And I under took the seconds, moment, but yeah. but in the moment, I was like, man, I had nothing to be ashamed of, and I perform what you know, I performed under pressure, and really that changed my perspective on golf because before that it was just like a seasonal sport for me. I'd played you know soccer and you know whatever basketball, football, and all that stuff, and um, at that point I said, you know what, I think I can get a scholarship and go play, and I I when I got into high school, I dropped all the other sports and just focused on golf. And that was based on that event. So that was, that was really cool. It was a, definitely a life, life defining, you know, or career defining,
0: uh, moments. I know it was young, but
1: it was a big deal. Big
0: deal for right. me. That's a good one. So we'll, we'll end on that. That's a, you know, for a 12 year old to step up and do it, you know, it showed you had a little bit, uh, of intestinal fortitude, even as a youngster, right? Like, you know, you could get it yeah. done when you had to. So, Hey, definitely. man, we're going to be looking – you know, I'll be in Europe this summer a little bit too, working uh, with our, our UK guys over there. So we will be watching to see how you're doing on the on the Challenge Tour. And, you know, I don't know, maybe our – I think our paths might cross up in Scotland or something sometime this summer. So we may bump into each They're definitely
1: going yeah. to cross. They're definitely going to
0: cross. So, man, thanks for doing this. Like, we enjoyed the conversation. Um, we're pulling for you, you know, and uh, we'd love the comeback. So, you know, we'll, we'll uh, be watching the results on the Challenge Tour, and hopefully that turns into a DP World Tour card. And, you know, I, the sky's the limit. So it's going to be fun to be a part of the journey with you.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Jason. I really appreciate the support and awesome spending some time with you.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Pro.